Welcome to the Twins Tale Podcast. I am Natalie Diaz, your host. I'm also the founder of Twiniversity and the author of What to Do When You're Having To. You know what, guys? In the past 10 years of being a twin parenting professional, I have met such extraordinary families. And the one thing that I have learned is that we could learn something from every single one of them. And that's what this podcast is about. We're going to meet families from all over the country in different stages of their twin parenting journey, and we're going to get an insider's look on what time their kids are going to bed, how do they deal with sibling rivalry, what is their biggest success to date. I can't wait for you to meet these amazing families. Guys, welcome to Twinstown. Zoe Strollers, Zoe Strollers, they have really innovative products for twins. Once again, that's a totally made-up jingle, made up by yours truly, Natalie Diaz. Please note that I even did the full-on hand motions, rising up to the sky while singing, Zoe Strollers, Zoe Strollers. That's what you do, like, I get really into it. Uh, today's Twin Tail podcast is actually brought to us by our podcast partner, Zoe. Guys, if you're a twin parent by now, um, you got to know who Zoe is. I mean, at this point, I, I hope you weren't living under a rock because that could not be comfortable and it is probably not good for your back. But Zoe is well known in the twin world for their innovative strollers. But did you know that they also make a fantastic high chair? What, Nat? They do? Yes, they do. It's actually true. They make a fold-away high chair and it is the skinniest fold-away high chair ever ever you gotta literally go check it out you'll you you gotta see it with your own eyes to believe it it has all the comforts of luxe wipeable fabric comfy easy extra cushiony seats from head to toe and it tucks away easily what twin parent doesn't love that who doesn't want to fold up a high chair at the end of the day and tuck it away put their 20s in and just pretend that there is some peace in their house Guys, you got to check this out too. It's got a removable tray for easy cleaning. Mealtime really can't get any more convenient. And to learn more about the fold-away high chair, go to zoestrollers.com. You are gonna love it. Zoe Strollers, Zoe Strollers, check out their high chairs while you're there. On today's Twin Tale, we are speaking with new twin mama, Janice Crittenden. She is something else, man. I got to tell you, she delivered her 20s at 27 weeks. And uh, it's just really fascinating. So we're going to talk to her. Her kids are still in the NICU. It's going to be a bit of a journey because, you know, you have micro preemies. It's, it's a bit of a journey. We're going to talk about her anxieties, her stresses, what her day is like. And you know what? She has two older kids that she's taking care of. So it, it's a lot. It's really a lot. And you're going to hear her break a little bit, but just sit tight through the whole episode because, you know, there's a silver lining and the silver lining is that we really are in this together. And Janice is really something absolutely extraordinary. And I can't wait for you to meet her. So here she is. So hello, Janice. Hi, how are you? Look at me saying your name right. I'm so excited right now. Uh, I, I'm really so happy that you're joining us today and you have a very interesting perspective. And that's why when like we saw that we had the opportunity to talk to you, we like jumped on it. So 
you are a mom of micro preemies, right? You yes. delivered during COVID. You already are a mom to two. And then you were like, let's just try once more and surprise So spontaneous twins. There's so many things on this level. And right now, the twinnies are 35 days old. Yeah, they're about 35 days old. Oh, my goodness. Well, congratulations on the babies. Tell us a little bit about your pregnancy and your early delivery and kind of give us a a little bit of background into your twin mama life so far. (laughs) Um, So um, I'm over 35 and um, I've had like previous um, issues with pregnancy. And so my husband and I were like, well, we're almost 40. So let's just see what's what's going to happen. Um, and so we thought we were pregnant a few times, but we weren't. And so it was like already the end of the year of 2019. And so we we're having that talk like, okay, th- it's like literally November. We haven't got pregnant yet. And if we don't get pregnant, then we're just, we're just done, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the next thing I know, we're pregnant. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that was a great surprise. Um, so usually my husband comes with me to my doctor's appointments. And of course the day of the sonogram, the six week appointment, he wasn't able to be there due to work. And lo and behold, right now we have twins. It's funny. I called him. I said, honey, you jinxed me. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, we're having twins. He said, ha ha. So funny. I'm like, no, I'm dead serious. He's like, yeah, hilarious. What the doctors say. And I'm like, I'm telling the truth, honey. We're having twins. He's like, no. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got the picture to prove it. So I sent him the sonogram pic. And he's like, yeah, you took that off. You you screenshot it off of Instagram or something. I'm like, no. And it was funny because literally when we're having that conversation about the kids, he was like, if we get pregnant again, he's like, I want you to get pregnant like back to back so the kids can be close in age and grow up because our kids are so spread apart, spread apart. Our, we have, um, our, he has an 18 year old, my stepdaughter, and then I have a 14 year old and we have an eight year old. So the kids are really spread out. And so he was just like, it wouldn't be fair, you know, cause the little one's going to still grow up by itself. Mm-hmm. So. Like, yeah, the only way that's going to happen is if we're having twins. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we know that it's twins now. You've had pregnancies before. So, you know, your body is like, hey, did you did this pregnancy feel any different than your previous pregnancies? It did. And you know what? My husband and I, we were so sure that we were having boys. Like my whole pregnancy only threw up one time. My morning sickness, my other two kids, I was sick. And with my, my six-year-old, I was really sick. I only gained, had gained 12 pounds with her because I couldn't Ooh. keep them down. Okay. And so with this one, I didn't have, like, morning sickness like that. It was just real mild. So I would get, like, nauseated, mm-hmm. like, if you were just having a regular cold or, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. But, um, and so I kept asking doctors, like, am I okay? Are the kids okay? Because everywhere you read online, it says typical twins. I mean, your hormones are like crazy and your pregnancy symptoms are like so heightened. Not me. Wow. (laughs) 
Listen, you did it. It, it. It's great. So I guess you had an easier time in the beginning. And then when did things start kind of taking a turn? And when did you start having issues with and that led to your early delivery? So I have a history of um, an incompetent cervix. Um, that's just basically my cervix opens prematurely and my body's just really not good at, at holding the baby in. So when the lady even told me that I was pregnant with twins, I like bawled out crying because I'm just like, you know, I can barely hold one. How am mm. I going to hold two? You know, so I'm like freaking out. Like the whole time I'm just kind of like paranoid because I just don't know when or if it's going to happen. Yeah. So, um, Luckily, I had really good doctors, and um, I, um, about 20, 20, well, they, they gave me a cerclage, like, my 12th, my 12th week. Okay. And then by the 20th week, my cervix was already, like, thinning out. Okay. So by this time, um, the doctors were like, we don't want to because that's when COVID had just really like took off. Mm -hmm. And so, like we really would prefer like not to have you here. Mm -hmm. um, so we try to do everything and we just need you to really, really, really like rest up at yeah. home. Um, but if for whatever reason it just thins out more, um, they're like the 23rd week, you, you're going to have to stay. Yeah. So I go home. I tell anyone like, leave me alone. <laughs> just let me lay down. But it didn't work. And so by my 23rd week, um, I was already down to a centimeter. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they kept me and I was just like, okay, I'll be home in a week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, ma'am. Oh. <laughs> I had to stay there until I gave birth to the kids. Oh, so you delivered on how many weeks and how many days? So I literally delivered on Mother's Day. Oh. 27 weeks and one day. Wow. Wow. So how long do they have to stay in the NICU? They're still there. Oh, they're um, still there. Oh, my poor puppies. But they would have been, like, they still wouldn't have been born yet. So they're, they're kind of on par, right? Because you can never expect your babies to come home until after their due date. So, right. So there, um, my 37th week would be like mid July. Mm -hmm. Um, so the earliest right now we're looking at is mid July. Okay. Um, but, um, my, my twins names are Maya and Emmy <laughs> and Maya, she was the bigger twin. Um, that was another issue I was dealing with was, um, inner uterine growth. I'm mm -hmm. restricted my littler one Emmy um and she's the reason why we're they came out so early she just didn't want to stay in there she just had to oh come and see. so your Emmy is your baby A yes she Aww. is my baby okay. and my baby and um she'll probably be home first and okay. Emmy will have to stay in they their tip her growth development is about two weeks behind Maya okay. um so probably stay there somewhere between two to three weeks after Maya's release to come home. Okay. All right. So tell us a little bit about what a day is like with your schedule, with the NICU, with dealing with your older children, with dealing with everything that's going on in our universe and, you know, what new regulations are like in the hospital. So for like a typical day, 
are you, you know, tell us from the minute that you get up kind of what your day is like with, because they're 35 days, right? So 35 day, day old 20s in the neck NICU that are micro preemies in 27 weeks. What does that look like? Like, what could we do? I have so many questions. Janice, I'm telling you right now, like I, uh, and you know, we have so many families that have significant NICU experiences like you do. So where, you know, I guess a, a typical birth person would be like, oh my gosh, this is whatever. I'm like, you know, we hear it. We see wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things at, you know, years and years later. And we know twenties that are super micro preemies. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not as scared. I'm always cautious. But I'm like, okay, if you got a good hospital, you got a good team, you're going to do great. Okay, so what's kind of a, a day in the life of Janice and baby twinnies in the NICU look like? Um, well, first of all, it's it's just kind of hard to be home without them to have an empty nursery. You know, I look at their bed several times a day, and it's just like really hard to be home. So I feel like I'm living a double life. Mm -hmm. Is that my life with my family at home? And then I have a completely separate life with my twins at the hospital. And um, obviously, you know, things come up. So all my attention and um, things that I have to do in the forefront is at home. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of like, um, I guess some you can say like a little bit of guilt or something because I, I can't be as attentive because I'm not I'm at home. So mm -hmm. when I was in the hospital, um, I had a schedule with them. I would go and see them at every touch time. Their touch times have still continued to be the same. So that runs every three hours. They eat, they get their diapers changed, they whatever medical things need to be done to them, it's done during their touch times. And that's just because again, they're so they were born so early that their nervous system hasn't fully developed yet. So they don't want to constantly be um, stimulating the babies because it's just not good for them at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and so coming, leaving them in the nursery and coming home um, has been kind of hard just because I had my schedule before where I could go see the whatever I wanted. And then now, you know, I'm home with my husband and he has work and we have our family car. And so if he's working, I can't go. I have to wait until he comes back. So, you know, as soon as he comes back, I'm like running to the hospital. Um, sorry, it's just a little emotional. Why are you apologizing? Please don't <laughs> do that. This is not this is this is not an apology zone. This, I feel for you. I honestly, like, I mean, I wouldn't be able to touch you anyway because of COVID, but I would like to I'll touch you virtually. I'll, I'll just pet pet the camera. That's what it, but I feel you. I really do. You know, I mean, my babies were in the NICU too for 31 days. It wasn't that long, certainly in comparison, but I could remember, you know, wanting to go and you can't. And that's that's even tougher when they're so small and you can't just hold them for 24 hours a day. You know, right. but they're they're doing they're they're kind of cooking in the hospital the way that they would be cooking in you. And it is it's a it's a really, really, really tough time. Are they providing any emotional support for you in the NICU? Like, is there a social worker or is there anybody checking in with you emotionally? Not, you know, you have your OB checking in with you physically, but are they giving you any support there? Mm -mm. No, <laughs> uh. That's that's tough. I feel like parents of of preemies in general, I think we get swept under the rug a little bit more than most because 
when a typical person is seeing a pediatrician, a pediatrician is often checking for postpartum signs and just checking in with mom's mental wellness. And because we are not going to the pediatrician, right, because the doc, they're living with their doctors, that right. people aren't really taking, you know, taking stock of kind of how we're doing. Does the NICU have any kind of support group? Um, I don't know. I haven't um, heard, um, but I have met some other mothers there and, okay. you know, we kind of like chit chat and exchange information and, and tips and stuff. Um, so it's been, it's been helpful. Yeah. That's tough. And do they have tinier preemies too, or do they have more hardy babies? Yeah. Some of them have tinier preemies and some of them have been there since the beginning of the year and they're still there. Mm. Yeah, so um, my twins actually are really lucky, um, being that they were born at 27 weeks, and thankful to God, they have no issues. Yeah, how big were they when they were born? <laughs> um, baby A, Emmy, she was one pound, nine ounce, and Maya was two pound, nine ounces. That's pretty big, I think, for that gestation. They would have been, you know, 15 pound babies if they... Would have went to 30 pounds. <laughs> okay, maybe not 15 pounds. But now, you know, how how's their growth been there? Their their growth has been good. So they're both going up. Um, Amy still measures about two weeks, a week and a half to two weeks behind Maya. Um, but they're they're doing good. But um my days are just literally like full of pumping. So yeah. I've been able, luckily, my breastfeeding um, has gone very well this time around. My other two children, I, especially the last one, I could only breastfeed her for like two weeks, well, barely two weeks, as I just couldn't produce enough mm -hmm. what she was drinking. Um, but thankfully, this time around, um, it's been great. I've been a great little milking cow. <laughs> Good. And how's your, what's your pumping schedule like? Like, are you pumping before you leave to go see them while you're there? What's, what's your pumping schedule like? So every day I pump, um, somewhere between every two to three hours and that's okay. full, full circle. Um, so I just recently stopped, um, waking up in the middle of the night just because I'm exhausted. I'm physically exhausted from like pumping and then there's the emotional aspect I'm pumping and yet I have nothing here in front of me to mm -hmm. give my help to you know I'm just it's it's just really weird um so um when I wake up in the morning I I pump and then it just goes on from there every two hours I'm just pumping so when I go to the hospital I pump before I leave mm -hmm. and then I go there and um they they've been on CPAP, um, which is the breathing machine, mm -hmm. um, and it's just now been taken off of both of them. Wow. Um, so yes, so I've been hold I've been able to to hold them and do the little the little kangaroo skin to skin with them. Mm -hmm. um, of course, when my body feels them, it's just like <laughs> so. <laughs> as soon as I get through, I have to pump again because they're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, though. So then you have plenty of milk, which is great. Do you think that perhaps your milk supply is better because you've been, 
you it's it's you know i gotta tell you and i don't know if people realize this but when you have preemies breast milk is deemed medically necessary so they really you know get on you about making sure that you're pumping do you think that because the doctors really were on you from you know delivery day or you think that you just it's just it is what it is um if i can talk about spirituality i just believe it's just god yeah um you know times are tough right now financially and everything we've been out of work since january we were only in our minds expecting to have one child and we got blessed with two mm -hmm. so that's full everything um and so i just think that it was just an, another gift from god just me being able to supply my own food for my kids because I don't know if you know milk is expensive formula is <laughs> oh, really yeah. expensive and then you have two so it's like woo if only I could produce diapers <laughs> that's it so now you're going to be providing milk for the whole family because now this is cost effective and you're going to have so much you'll be this is <laughs> this is the new the new trend uh so now when you are at the NICU do they have primary nurses or like how, how are your babies? Are they together in the NICU? What's the, what's the medical team like and how do you communicate with the medical team to know, you know, to be kept kind of up to date on everything that's happening with the girlies? So, um, they, luckily there's two of them. So they, they share a room, okay. typically two babies to a room, but since they're the they're related, they get to be in the same room. Um, mm -hmm. so my they're lucky they have their their same room. Mm -hmm. Um, of course they're in like separate beds and stuff. Um, and typically, um unfortunately, I guess it's just the way the hospital systems are made, because that's just how it is no matter what when you go to the hospital. Nurses just it's just a constant rotation. So I wish someone would speak up about it and figure out how to change it because um, sometimes it can be a little unsettling when it's, it's constantly like someone different dealing with your kids. And especially when you're in the NICU, mm -hmm. you know, they have, you know, their own issues, there's certain things. And then, so if you're not dealing with the same person or the same group of people, mm -hmm. it's like, you're constantly having to remind the new person about this issue and that issue, you get a mm -hmm. phone call and it's someone else on the phone and it's like well who are you yeah. okay this is like nurse number five in three days um so um I I wish someone would figure out how to make it to where it's just a set number of nurses per whatever yeah that um, rotate with your babies could you did you ever think about asking them to do that um not exactly, um, but when there's a nurse that you like, um, you can let like the head person know and then they kind of put a list together. And then when that person is on schedule, they try to make sure that that person is a nurse for your child for that day. Yeah. Um, so it's just a little hard, I guess, because the nurses themselves have like their own scheduling and this, that and the other. So it's just kind of based on who's there that day gets put mm -hmm. into um but it, it is a little a little hectic um there have been some issues um that I've had with nurses as it pertains to the care of my children mm -hmm. um but 
<clears throat> the people that are in charge there, once they they find out and they're made aware, they have taken care of it right yeah. away. Yeah. Um, it's still like, eh, you know, because everyone, there's rules, but everyone has like their own way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, um, it, it can just be a little unsettling at times, yeah. um, especially when lately they've been, the girls have been each having a separate nurse. So it's like you call in, find out how are my kids doing. Oh, I have so and so. I don't know about the other one. Let me go find your nurse. Oh, yeah. they're not available. We'll have them to call you back. So you're constantly waiting to hear like what's going on with the other yeah. child. That's um, frustrating. So like that Sorry about that. That's very <laughs> frustrating. What about the doctors? Do they have the same doctor, or are they the doctors are rotating just as much? Um, yeah, I mean, they have some rotating doctors, but it's just a, a very small number. So I, I still know it's just um, about, I think, like three doctors or, or something like that. Um, but I've been talking to like the same one pretty much mostly this okay. whole time. Good. And I've met them when I when I go up there. Before they were born, like when you were in the hospital, did you get to meet that doctor? Like, did somebody from the NICU team come up and, and introduce themselves? So when I got, when I got admitted to the hospital, I think the next day, you know, they bring in the team of different people to meet. So I only met one person from the NICU that gave a very brief synopsis of what the NICU is about. Um, but it never entailed any, um, information like on a day to day. So even though I met the person one time when it was time for me to go there, I still knew nothing I had. I didn't know what to expect or, or anything. Yeah. Um, and you know, so sometimes things happen. I'm questioning them like, okay, well, why are we doing this? Um, I, you know, this makes me feel uncomfortable or whatever. And they're kind of like, well, you know, this is done for this reason. And it's kind of like, okay. Um, I don't, I don't think I was very, um, the information I received wasn't very informative. It was just very vague. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess that they don't know either, like to, to their defense, sometimes you have no idea what the heck's happening until the babies are here. Can I give you, um, I know that technically I'm not supposed to be giving tips during this, but I can't control myself. I would today, like when you go to the NICU, I would ask to speak to the social worker and Mm -hmm. there's, there's always going to be one. And there's usually, usually there's one dedicated to the NICU just because we kind of need a lot more maintenance than a typical patient in the hospital. And I would first try to see if you could have, you know, one primary nurse assigned to your babies whenever that person was on duty, because you're still going to be there for a little bit longer. It's not like you're being discharged tomorrow. So if we could set up like a good routine now, that would be like amazing. And they might have a NICU support group. I know a lot of NICUs do, but because of COVID, they may have taken it virtually and they're just not doing a good job telling people that it's it exists. Um, another thing that I would try to do today is speak to your, um, if you haven't already, the social worker could hook you up with a CPR and first aid class that's usually uh, in the hospital and then you won't have to pay for that, right? Because they're going to want you to have that before the babies are discharged. Yeah. I, l- I like to give you homework, Janice. I'm just like thinking, I'm like, I wish all the things that I didn't know that NICUs provided 
before, you know, by, by the time you're discharged, you kind of learn everything the hard way, but I feel for you. And then the other thing that I'm going to recommend that you do is reach out to Graham's foundation. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're specifically a micro preemie support organization. They're a nonprofit that deals with nothing but micro preemie families. Oh, and they, and they are, family- they are like extraordinary. So yeah, it's Graham, like the cracker, like Graham cracker. It's Graham's found, uh, foundation and their dad, Nick Hall, um, they had twins and you know, it's, it's the whole story of how this foundation came to be, but I would, I would definitely, you know, reach out to them because they have a really, really, really great peer to peer to peer support network. And so do we, I mean, Twiniversity does too, but there are the people that when you have, you know, under 30 weeks, it's like a kind of a different story. So you're, you're right there, right under that, that 30. So under that, I would say, you know, reach out to them, but I feel for you, but it, it, I mean, you've seen it too. Like, is it, do you see that every day it gets a little bit better or do you take a lot of steps up and then some days it's a step back? How's the whole process been since your delivery day? Um, it's been, it's just, you know, you go in there and it's always alarms going off. Yeah. And so at first, um, it would just, my anxiety was like out of the roof because as soon as the alarm went off, I'm like freaking out. So mm-hmm. there's like basic things like that. Like when people come and visit from the NICU, when you get admitted to the hospital, like they could have shared like that type of information to prepare for that because, you know, you're going in there. We have no idea what these alarms mean. We just know it means something. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's just hectic. And even now I have to like, when I hear the baby's alarms going off, I have to remind myself like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's okay. It's just this, or it's just that. Um, but mostly it's been okay. It's been getting better by the day. Um, and then every so often Emmy baby a, she, um, will have a lot of like DSATs which is just the oxygen level is low in their blood. Yeah. So I'm this alarm go off um, or she'll have a Brady where she forgets to, mm-hmm. to take that one really freaks me out. <laughs> so Janice, you didn't have, so your other, your other kids, so the 14 and eight, they weren't early. You had yeah. your, you had an incompetent cervix, but you made it. See, you know, what's like, I, I always say that we should make like a dictionary because like Brady's and DSATs for, if you've never heard of this, Clearly you've never been in the NICU, but like, you know, from like the jump, you know what that is. They're like, okay, this is what you look for. And I say by being a parent of babies in the NICU, you, we should have like an honorary medical degree because the things that you learn, like you literally are Maya and Emmy experts. Like you are there, you are like their number one patient advocate right now for them. And it's such a regular thing, the Brady's and sets. But if you've never heard of that, it's so overwhelming. But now what happens when the alarm goes off and you see that? Do you, are you like, ugh, okay. Like, how do you feel now? How's your anxiety level when you hear the alarms? Um, it's not as high. Um, sometimes it's like, okay. But then if it's just sometimes like when I was there a week ago, um, the kids had gotten a um, an eye exam, so they were just already a little agitated. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and they had a really bad diaper rash, unfortunately. Aww, um, so when I was holding them, they were both very agitated. Um, and Emmy was extremely agitated. And so she cried, not, not like for the whole hour and a half, but she had like five or six cry episodes during that time. Mm-hmm. And so just had told the nurse, I was like, please come get her. Like she's uncomfortable her crying is making me uncomfortable. And so let's just put her back in her bed where we know she's most comfortable. Yeah. And so those few seconds of the, of the nurse taking her from me and putting her in her bed and putting her, all her little wires and stuff back together. Mm-hmm. <gasps> she had like five Brady's mm-hmm. and the arm was going off back to back. Mm-hmm. So little nurse she was scared I was scared I'm looking at her like what are you gonna do yeah and I'm trying to like remain calm so that I don't like make her like forget to do something or Mm -hmm. or whatever this is but um at this point typically I'm I'm okay um but sometimes it just happens a little bit more often than not and so then it makes me worried um and then you know, even though they've been there for a period of time already, it's just when things like that happen, like you feel like the baby's gonna, you know, because yeah. they're breathing. And yeah. so, you know, I'm like talking to the doctor, like, I mean, is she okay? Is she gonna mm-hmm. be okay? And then also when they have these episodes, they're not ready to come home. Yeah. So it's like another reminder yeah your baby's not coming home yet. It's still going to be a a while. Um, And so Maya, she has been great. She really hasn't, she hasn't had any episodes, but Emmy, she'll have a day or two where she has none. She could have none for like a 12 hour period and then Mm -hmm. she'll have one. Um, And so they're like three things that have to happen before the babies can come home. The first thing is to have their CPAP removed, which Mm -hmm. they've gotten. The second thing is that they have to be able to feed from your breast and be able to tolerate the food, the feeding, um, and they can't have any Brady's for like um, two weeks or or something like that. So when these things are still happening, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah. That's another thing. Are they going to, do they, do they have a restriction where they have to be a certain weight to be discharged or they're, that's not even on the the list? Yeah. So I asked, so she said there's not a specific weight, mm-hmm. although they have to be able to fit in a car seat and a car yeah. seat is like four and a half to five pounds. Yeah. So they do have to be able to fit in a car seat. Okay. Um, and so, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's every hospital has different regulations. Some send their babies home at three and change. Like it's always interesting to me that nationally there's no universal standard of when babies go home. So I never, I never know because sometimes like I'll speak to moms and they're like, yeah, my baby was discharged at, you know, under four pounds. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. But I never, you know, I never really know. But for us, I mean, we were a little bit over four pounds. So, and they were born, 
you know, at four and they didn't, my daughter didn't do too great. She had a, a rough first month, but a uh, good news. She's 15 and literally driving me crazy. And, uh, she dyed her hair pink last week and yeah. So that would be, she would be my Emmy is, is what that would be. So get ready because Janice, it's just this little chick, your baby ain't, she's going to give you a run for the money. She, she's feisty. At first, I used to call her my little jelly bean. But then after seeing her in action, I call her my little red hot chili pepper. Oh, that girl is fiery, honey. And she has these little bitty hands. You know, they can barely wrap around your finger, the little hand. Mm-hmm. And when I say she has this death grip and she like holds on to her cords. <laughs> Or when she had on her CPAP machine, she would like hold on oh. and she would just try to get it off or something. And I'm looking at the nurse like, are y'all seeing this? Like, is she going to pull it out? And like she would hold so tight. Her brown hand would be like white from like. The- from the grip. Yeah. Oh, she's like a baby Hulk. That's what she is. That's baby Hulk. That's it. That's not what I'm calling Emmy. Baby Hulk. That's what she is. Oh, my gosh. Janice, this has been, it, it's, it's, you still got a little bit of a ride ahead of you. And then even after they come home, it's going to be a little bit, but I'm telling you now, it's going to be what it is, you know, and, and you got to take every day as it comes and just know this is not something you are not the first person to go through this. I don't know if you find that comfort, comforting or aggravating, but at <laughs> Twiniversity, we have so much experience with micropremies, and it's not only because of cervical issues. It could be, you know, gestational diabetes or preeclampsia or help syndrome. There's like a laundry list of items of why babies are born early. But I really, in my, like, I really, really, really want you to speak to that social worker. And I will be, I will be the Karen and asking for a manager at the hospital. If this doesn't happen, I'll be like, excuse me. But you do have a right as a patient. Like there are patient rights that you have. You may even want to ask for your, like that paperwork. They'll give you paperwork that'll tell you what your rights are because since you'll be there for a little bit and then probably the odds are you're going to be receiving a little bit of early intervention once they come home. So you're going to be dealing with these people for a while. So that's why make your friends today on the way, bring the social worker some Dunkin' Donuts. Buy, you know, a box of cookies from Walgreens or something on the way. But it's, it's, I I really feel for you. I really do. I could put myself in your shoes very, very easily. And I've, you know, I've been with Twiniversity families. So, you know, we we have these Twiniversity classes. And so sometimes I'll get to know the parents and then they'll deliver early. And coincidentally, I might be up by the hospital and I'll go to the NICU with them. And I'll be like, okay, listen, let's walk through this. And it, I know that NICUs in general are very short staffed. And so they don't have an opportunity to have like, I'm a patient liaison and let's walk (laughs) through the NICU and let's have, you know, a PowerPoint presentation on Brady's and DSATs. If they have, if they would just do that, you could technically have a lot less stress and anxiety, but it's uh, the odds of that happening. I mean, I, I say there's a million things that I wish that they did for moms that they still don't do. But, you know, I say maybe when my babies have babies, maybe, (laughs) maybe that would happen. But now how, now that we know that the babies are okay, they have a good medical team, they're being taken care of. How do you feel? How's your recovery going? Um, it's, 
It's good. Um, physically, I'm, I feel like almost back to normal. Um, you know, I've been home and just been able to be free because, again, you know, I was, I call it locked up during COVID in the mm -hmm. hospital. You couldn't have no visitors, nothing. You are restricted to your room. Mm -hmm. You can't even talk to your neighbor next to you. So it was um, just really hard, right? And so coming home, it's like I finally can cook. I can eat normal food again. Um, so it's been um, it's been good, you know, spending time with the kids. Um, the one positive thing was just um, I was, you know, able to have my my one on one with my six year old who has been the baby for the last six years. Um, and so, you know. Um, and then I have my older child who's 14. She's about to be in high school. Um, and so, you know, I've just been getting her ready with that. So my days are just have been busy. At first it was busy with homeschooling. I had to finish up. I came home like two weeks before school was out. So I'm helping the kids finish up their last stuff. My daughter, she's in the pre-med program for high school. And I've been having to get all her stuff together for for that stuff um it's a lot it, it's a lot and then i have oh you know, the other babies and you know just still trying to figure out things that i still need to get for them when they come home yeah. um <clears throat> getting all their stuff together um so physically i'm good emotionally it's just kind of like you know i'm trying to keep it together yeah. um like i said it's just really hard having a double life um and just not having everyone together the kids still haven't met them you know they don't know anything i take millions of pictures though so they they see right. their pictures but right. you know it's something like seeing them for themselves um and it's just weird thinking about it like my kids are going to be almost three months old by the time they come home yeah and so you know you wonder like even though i go up there and i see them um you know, is that bond that you normally have with a normal pregnancy when your baby come home and you're able to be with child every second of the day, mm -hmm. you know, that thoughts and at least in the back of my head, like when they come home, like, what is it going to be like? Are they going to want me? You know, are they going to be like self-sufficient and little, a little baby way? Cause they're used yeah. to the nurses. So, you know, all these kind of thoughts are like in my head, like, I don't know what to expect. I'm scared. You know, I just want to be able to have my kids and, you know, just be able to bond with them yeah. really for them to be like open, like mama, like, yay. Yeah. Or just like, huh, you know, I've been on my own for three months in the hospital, mom. I don't really need you. Nah, <laughs> not gonna, that's not going to happen. I'm going to tell you right now, just get that, that, that scratch that off the list. That is not happening. They're going to be like babies who were like overseas and they finally get to see you full time. They're going to, but remember too, like, even if they're crying, they, it happens. You remember from your first two babies, sometimes you feel rejected by your baby because they're crying, but it has nothing to do with that. They're just babies. They're just crying. They just cry for no reason. It's not a personal attack on you, but it, it it's going to be great. It's going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be a wonderful reunion to have everybody under the roof, uh, the same roof. And you're doing really, really, really good. I mean, honestly, you're holding a lot together. And if somebody is not telling you every single day that you are freaking crushing this, 
You really are. And if you need to write it on the the mirror in the bathroom in lipstick or eyeliner or something so you could see it later, you are doing so well. And I, who literally only met you 42 minutes, 53 seconds ago, could literally tell you, I am so freaking proud of you. This is so much to handle. And you did not have to take this route that you did. You could literally be hiding in your bedroom right now, having a family member bring breast milk to the kids. There's a lot of different ways that this could have gone. And you're doing it. You're doing it. You're homeschooling. You're feeding your family. You're feeding babies that are not even with you. You are doing so well. And I am so proud of you. And this is going to be a lot of work, but everything's a lot of work. And the, the some of the, the the best things in life are the most challenging to get to. Yeah. This is just another challenge. You have two. You didn't get one. This is what happens. That's that. This is the life of a twin parent. And I'm I'm very proud of you. And I'm happy that you're part of our Twiniversity family. So thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, my God, Janice. I got to go back to my reality now. I just want to stay and talk about babies all day. And Brady's and DSATs. And I hope that makes you feel better. Like, to me, I'm like, I remember the first one. And I was like, oh. And now I'm like, of course. Yeah, I was crying. They're looking at me like, what is wrong with this? Like, I'm just like, what's happening? Like, it's scary. Yeah. When it's your babies, it's it's super scary. It's it's like, you know, I, I always think of, like, how doctors handle all this and all these babies and all these nurses. But today, you have homework. Your homework is when you go back there to see them, you're going to find that social worker. And you're going to be like, hey. I have a question. My friend Nat said I should be asking you about this. And yeah, and if you have any more questions, we're always here for you. And so, Janice, thank you very, very much for taking time to talk to us today. You're welcome. Yay. And guys that are listening, don't forget, we're here for you, too. So just if you need anything from Twiniversity, just email us at community at Twiniversity.com. That is the quickest and easiest way to get to us if you don't feel like sending an email because that's too much work you could send us a direct message on facebook instagram pinterest i think pretty much that's it and we're just at twiniversity at everything so until next time guys i'll see you later alligators <laughs>